Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This week in Lotus, or should that be last week in Lotus, episode 82, recorded on Monday 19th December 2011. Zombie Flu! Our second go at episode 82 features twill friends Lisa Duke and Sharon Bellamy reflecting on IBM Connect, the social connections event in Cardiff, a new fix pack, sorry, upgrade pack for Domino, Chrome overtaking IE8, its most popular browser, and much, much more. Join us soon. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus. We are back for episode 82 of the weekly Lotus podcast. I'm joined as ever by Darren Duke. Hello, Darren. Hello, Stuart. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Back from New York and raring to go on interesting stuff the week before Christmas. How's things with you? It's good. We've already, I've already got a seven meg file and we haven't even started recording yet. That's quite impressive, isn't it? Lots, of, is. lots of pre-show stuff going on. So, um, so yeah, I had, I had a useful week in New York getting, uh, getting all the Christmas shopping as well as some work done. So, um, so that, that was good. Started with a new customer. So I am raring to go. It's good stuff. We've got lots to discuss today, actually, haven't we? Lots of uh, things about the event coming up in January. Allegedly. <laughs> I'm not sure what I can say anymore. <laughs> Oh, Darren's being censored today by his lovely wife, Miss Lisa Duke. How are you, Lisa? <laughs> Good morning. I, I definitely can't control him, but I do my best to try. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what you do, Lisa. I am the business development manager for Simplified Technology Solutions, and um, I'm also the host of the Get Social Do Business podcast. Brilliant. Thanks for being on. And you were also a helper at a recent conference we're going to discuss later on, too. That is correct. Yep. Great to have you. And we're also joined by Sharon Bellamy. Hello, Sharon. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Darren. <clears throat> Hello. How's um, the lurgy before we start? <laughs> uh, it's going slowly. For those of you who didn't listen into the Social, Connect Confer- uh, Social Connections Conference, you will not know that I've had what Lisa has dubbed as the zombie flu, <laughs> which um, was a hideous cold flu thing and a chest infection all rolled into one. And I'm on week four. Now, I'm killing it slowly with antibiotics, so hopefully I'll be well for Lotusphere and I will not infect all of my American friends with the zombie flu. I'm hoping it's not contagious and, over Skype. And I'm looking at your Skype picture. Is that a bottle of Budweiser in front of you? Oh, it is. This is speed geeking, isn't it, last year? Yes, <clears throat> might have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Sharon, tell us what you do for Applicable. Um, I'm a business consultant at Applicable, which basically means... Um, I, I do portal quick, quicker same time and connections implementations. Um, I assist with um, the technical design of uh, customer requirements um, and also for our um, hosted um, social environments. Um, I'm also an IBM champion, just like most of the other people on this call. Um, um, an iSeries fan girl. Smackdown. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes. Um, uh, and I'm also a friend of Matt Newman, which is also very... Um, 
That's Very an accolade, isn't it? That's important. Yes. And we will talk about it later, but I'm also one of the uh, Team Social members for Lotusphere this year. Yeah, we'll get on to all that later on. But we're going to kick off this week um, discussing Connect 2012, which is the new kind of side conference uh, to Lotusphere taking place at the same time in Orlando. So, um, Lisa, why don't you kick us off? What, what, what are your expectations for Connect? Oh, let's let's do hopes because that'll be more positive probably than than expectations. Um, my hopes are, uh, I noticed the agenda, and we should probably put a link to that in the in the show notes. I can pull that over yeah. later. But they have a lot of customers that are going to come in and talk about their experiences with social, and I'm hoping that they will be fairly specific and give examples of what they did to drive user adoption, actual specific results that they got as a result of using connections that they will actually mention the actual products that they used versus just say social. So I'm hoping for some specific stories that will help give me ideas in working with our clients. Um, And they do have, they've got some, like I said, some customers, and then I believe they're trying to pull in some analyst types as well, although I don't see that on the agenda yet. Um, so that's what I'm hoping for, are specific ideas around user adoption and really specific understanding of when they say they did the social thingy from IBM, did they just buy connections? Was it connections and Cognos? So I'm hoping they get into how they really built the solutions that are working for them. Because last year, we obviously had quite a few panels in the Lotusphere OGS, didn't we, which was kind of social driven. But they were mostly from people talking in very high level terms around what they were trying to achieve and maybe what they had planned rather than what they'd really done and with what products. And I guess that's what you expected OGS, quite a high level view. Um, and I see your point of view in, in terms of I hope they have some real specifics. Given they've got an hour long session each, I hope they, they do go into some of those details too. Absolutely. But, yeah. Darren, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think. Mean- I need to clarify a statement from from last week. Um, I was incorrect in saying there's no external customers. It's full of external customers. What my real point was is that I don't think the people who submitted agendas were ever going to be picked beyond what was already scoped out. So I just want to clarify that. I don't know. I'd probably make Lisa happy now. Maybe maybe not. Maybe it wasn't enough. Um, (laughs) But beyond that, I think they have to get into specifics and it's good that they've got multiple tracks. I'm not sure if they had that at the social business symposium last year. I'm not sure if it was just one track or not. Um, but I, I, it's just a bit too wordy for sessions. I mean, the, the long words, it's, you know, this is social business. It's, it's a pretty easy word to say, yet we ec- extrapolate it out to 15, 16 words and that becomes a session. But, it, you know, it actually doesn't look too bad. I honestly will say I think my chances of attending it are zero because nothing really in there interests me uh, beyond that. But it's not it's not made for people like me. Yeah, and and this actually goes back to a conversation that Darren and I have had many many times. Is usually I'm the one with, and no offense to dear friends of ours who present year after year at Lotusphere, but usually the sessions are way too technical, um, way too detailed. I enjoy going to see my friends present, but I don't get a whole lot of value out of the sessions at Lotusphere because they're too technical for me. So if over time they sort of start separating out where Lotusphere gives more people deep technical information and Connect is more the business stuff and it's almost two tracks and they're just choosing to call them two different conferences, if that's the plan, then I think that's 
a good plan and it'll actually give me more things to go to that that I'm interested in. I just hope it doesn't become, you know, kind of buzzword bingo and and everybody saying the same thing at a high high level and, you know, that's that's where it could go wrong, but you know, that can happen at Lotosphere too. So hopefully there'll be good technical stuff at Lotosphere and non-technical <laughs> stuff for me at Connect. So that's what I'm hoping for. And I do see at least one analyst session. That's the there last one, bottom right. Okay, so that's Ray Wang from um, yeah. Conservation Research, Demystifying mm -hmm. Enterprise Gamification, which sounds quite interesting. So, so just to run through the agenda for those that aren't looking at it right now, there's um, the, the the folks are there from Sunday. They I think they can go to the Sunday party, which is great. And then on Monday morning, they get to go to the Lowsphere OGS, scheduled for two hours. And then just half an hour later, which is its own issue, given previous overrunning OGSs, uh, they go to their IBM Connect OGS, um, which has a general manager from IBM North America, uh, uh, d delivering content and also somebody from Content to AG. So over in this one, and then there's three tracks: then driving product and service innovation, deepening customer care and insight, and optimizing the workforce. Um, each of which have got two rooms available. Actually, no, one room available throughout the next couple of days. Then they finish with an o with a closing general session and reception on the Tuesday afternoon. So that's what people will be expecting when they go to connect. Um, Sharon, do you think? Some of the execs you've dealt with, maybe in your previous employer at the university you work for. Do you think any of those guys w would be interested in attending this this agenda? This is definitely more marketed towards them because the one thing that um, most executives say when you speak to them is that they don't they're not interested in the technical bit. That's what they employ people like us for. They want to know um, if it's possible, how it's possible on a very high level and then hand it over to the rest of us to sort it out. So I think this this is probably a great idea for the execs um, and it's also a great idea that means we don't have panels in the OGS because I think there will be death if that happens again <laughs> this year. Well, maybe not death, but there will be rotten fruit, I think, thrown at the stage. If, um, You'll see the red laser dots appear on people. <laughs> You know, I th I thought some of the I thought the way having the panels was was quite a a good idea, probably on a bit of paper, um, but it just didn't. If it, it it just came across really scripted. I think if it was a lot more free flowing and a lot more um, improvised, it would have been it would have been a lot better. And one panel is more than enough for any kind of session. Two was just I think Paul Mooney said that. By the time they brought the second one out, he was soaring at his wrists. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that's going to so, be one, one of the keys more broadly for Connect is that these are really high-level guys presenting. You know, the, the presidents of organisations there, you know, CEOs, CIOs that are presenting. And some of those guys are really talented speakers and, and really carry the audience. Others that I've seen tend to want scripted kind of, you know, sessions and, and do it in a very organized way, which sometimes leaves the audience behind, particularly if, if they're talking for an hour. So it's going to be interesting to see how they keep the energy live through some of these sessions and, and, and you know, kind of carry the audience. The, the other question that I had, um, and we were discussing it on the pre-show, guys, is, is in terms of whether this is the right thing to do at Lotusphere um, or whether if they're trying to attract it's very high level business people maybe running it at a different time in New York or London or Paris or somewhere would be better than trying to take these people to Disney any thoughts on that I think they've already paid for the hotels I think that's why they're doing it at the same time and location and also I guess that they want to kind of shift away from Lotusphere at some time in the future towards being a more social business focused conference to connect but but you you have to wonder whether this is the type of content that will get the Lotusphere veterans to, to go to or whether the aim is to, to kind of leave them with the more traditional notes and domino focused technical um, tracks that they've been used to. I, I just think that 
it, it's 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 building up from the original social business symposium and wasn't there something even the year before that was kind of small as well that was off in the yacht so i think we're just making it bigger and bigger and bigger and and what i will be interested to see is in ibm's will rename the little conference every year i'm interested (laughs) to see what it's going to be called next year because until they stick with a name it isn't going to get beyond the hey come look what we can sell you well i think that's what it is Oh, it is. It's nice. It's yeah. <laughs> and just to defend Darren for a moment, you know, in, in terms of the comment you made last week, Darren, it, it, just to get back to that, maybe that's not a wise thing to do. Um, it, it's just that actually there aren't any sessions on here that look like they came from the abstract submission process. Um, and so perhaps putting Connect as one of the tracks that was on offer in that submission process was maybe a mistake because I think it probably got people's hopes, not least my own, up in terms of getting a session selected for Connect when actually it looks like most of these were selected beforehand and maybe very carefully planned by the organizers versus being selected from from uh, submissions put in by other people. Yeah, I'd agree with that assessment. The part that bothered me was when Darren was awfully harsh and he was also wrong. Me? Yes. Me? <laughs> wrong and harsh? Never. Yeah. I don't I don't think I think you've got to let people see both sides of your personality. You are blunt when you need to be blunt, but you can also be positive and I think you're so harsh on this podcast that People think that's how you are all the time. So especially when you're wrong, I think occasionally you just need to. And, and he did. And he did. Let's move on from that, Lisa. <laughs> Stuart so... really wants us to fight on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to. Um, the other thing uh, on on Connect before we move on is Sandy Carter uh, blogged yesterday, I think, uh, maybe Friday. Um, social business, who's who speaking at IBM Connect 2012? Well, she goes through a lot of the speakers for Connect. And there are some really big names in there, not least from some of the organizations that have been featured in case studies recently, Children's Hospital Boston, uh, Russell's Convenience, BASF, and so on. So, yeah. Again, if you are interested in that kind of content, if you're trying to get your VC or your CIO or CEO to go along to Lowsphere, those are the kind of people that they're going to want to see. So um, so it's great they pulled those, those key people together. So next on our list um, is something else from Lowsphere. Uh, Sharon, maybe you can kick us off. There's been a hashtag going around the last few days, Team Social. Do you want to run through what that's all about? Okay, right. I'll do my best. Um, team Social is a... It's a group of people, mainly based um, from some IBMers that assist with a conference that are well known in the community, people like Joyce Davis, um, a bunch of IBM champions and some willing volunteers. Um, and the, the, the idea behind Team Social is there'll be a group of people that will be on hand um, in different times around Lotusphere, either in the social lounges or on the sponsors floor or just generally about. So if you have a question and want to ask them about any aspect of anything social, whether it's using apps on your mobile phone, getting enabled onto Twitter, we will be Where's around to help you. Yeah, where the coffee was actually quite a, a large um one we were thinking about talking about <laughs> so the idea behind it is there'll be a group of people they'll be easily identifiable although we have no idea how we're going to be identified as yet whether it be one of those beautiful yellow jester hats um t-shirts badges not quite sure how that's panning out at the moment but um you'll be able to find us if and you how many assistance. is there? at the moment there's about 20 of us um but we're growing daily <laughs> um so Yes, there's a lot. There's a lot going on at the moment. We've we've been having um, sort of uh, online meetings and phone calls like once or twice a week um, to try and get things kicked off. But there'll be quite a lot around the 
team social thing going on at Lotusphere, I believe. From scavenger hunts to quizzes to all sorts of stuff. And the idea is that's going to be on some of the social networks as well. So if you see that yes. Team Social um, hashtag, that's what it's all about. If you want to ask questions maybe while you're at Lotusphere um, in terms of where you find things or who to speak to, again, use that hashtag and LS12 as well, and I'm sure somebody will get back to you. Lisa, are you involved in that as well? I think I'm supposed to be, but I've been off, as Darren would say, swanning around the UK and swanning around America. So I'll have to get caught up and find out what I'm supposed to be doing. But I believe I'm going to be involved, yes. Excellent. And talking about swanning around the UK, Lisa, do you want to tell us about that conference you went to in the UK? Yes, I went to Social Connections 2, which Stuart and Sharon and several other folks had been organizing. And it was fantastic. It is, I think, still to date, the only connections um, user group in the world. And this was the the second. You guys are having them about once every six months, correct? Yep, that's correct. Yep, yep. So this was the second one. It was in Cardiff in Wales, which uh, for the Americans is next to England. <laughs> um, but it was it was really fantastic. We had a great venue, some really good presentations. So I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I was able to attend and I hope to definitely continue to be involved in that. I know um, there's there's been some um, ideas for different places to have the third one and I think it's I think it's very important because if heaven forbid connect doesn't give us the real, meat that we're looking for, social connections definitely will. So it, it may end up playing the role that um, the Lotus user groups have played on the domino side where, you know, if, if Lotusphere is just once a year and maybe you don't get quite enough detail or you're not able to travel there, then you have the UK lug and the other lugs available to you. I, I see social connections potentially filling the same role. If some people can't get to connect or if it's not um, enough real-world detail, I think this will really fill the role. So it was great. So, so Lisa, you know, you've been to a lot of user groups now. Obviously, this is very focused around connections. But what what else was different? I mean, you know, you've been to MW Lug and so on. What about the it was venue? in a castle? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Um, yeah, the venue itself was really fantastic. We had it at one of the university buildings, which I guess originally had been sort of a, a local government building. And so the room we were in was sort of this semicircular room, and, and it really looked like a mini house of, I don't know, I was going to say House of Parliament, but they're all rectangular, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a mini, uh, a mini house or a mini Senate, that semicircular layout. So... I think um, we call them courts in the UK. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. In, in which case, you probably have a lot of experience with those kind of buildings, right, Darren? <laughs> From your misspent youth. But, uh, hey, I, I, I fled one continent. Don't make me fled another. I'll yeah, and it. then we had an optional dinner after the conference, which really was in Cardiff Castle. And that was fantastic. We did a little mini tour and got to see everything there. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and the closest I've been to anything similar to this, if anybody's been to MW Lug in the U.S., they are a Lotus user group, but they've made a real strong push into social. They have a whole social track. And so it was similar to that in that, you know, we had customers, we had partners, we had IBMers, a lot of specific case studies. And um, the other thing that I thought was really fascinating, and this may sound a little bit like tuning my own horn, but I'm pretty famous for that anyway. Um, it actually made me feel really good because a lot of the speakers had I felt like we're sort of at a similar point in the conversation. Everybody has sort of realized that 
at least within this group, that social is a real thing. We're excited about it, but you can't just stick it out there from a technical perspective or, or it becomes shelfware. So we get into how do we drive user adoption and you hear different ideas about that, but I don't think anybody has it a hundred percent figured out. So that made me feel like, Oh, okay. The research I'm doing, the conversations I'm having, I am pretty much in the same place as a lot of these other folks. So I hope for the attendees, it didn't seem um, like repetition because it definitely wasn't planned. I think it just reflects the state of the conversation where the whole community is right now. So I found that really interesting as well. And I've been thinking about this for the last couple of weeks. And, and I was wondering internally to myself, and I will expose it to the greater listening world right now, is, <laughs> is, is user adoption really IT's problem? Um, only if you're responsible for the project being successful. Well, and here's the dirty little secret is what we used to call user adoption, what we used to call user adoption was training. So we've done this before, <laughs> you know, 15 years ago when I was coming into IT, it was very normal that you roll out a piece of software and after you've done the technical rollout, then you have like a lunch and learn, or you, you know, sit with a couple of people and show them how to do it. And then they're responsible for do answering tier one questions from their team. So we've done all this before. We sort of know how to do it. It's just, it's been 15 years since anything new has come out on the desktop, really. You know, it's been Windows and Office and email, whatever flavor, for about 15 years. It's been kind of stable. So we can't call it training because if you put training in a proposal, it will immediately get scratched out because nobody has a training budget anymore. But it's really the same thing of and, and Michael Sampson put it really well on the podcast that he <laughs> on my podcast, get social Um, But the one he did with Sharon and I, where he said, the trick with me changing my collaboration software means if you want to collaborate with me, you have to change the way you're doing your work, which explains why, you know, I could never get anybody to use Tungle with me because while Tungle is great for me, it required people I'm trying to schedule meetings with to learn a new tool to do something differently. And their attitude kind of was, well, I'm the customer. I want to send you an email with two times when we can do it and you pick one and I don't want to learn something new just to please you. So I, I don't know. I, I think we just have to kind of go back 15 years, remember how we did training, call it user adoption. And so let me ask a question then. Yeah. Even 15 years ago, was training IT's responsibility or was there a department inside of IT responsible for it? And is well, that the missing piece here? Well, if you remember, you did it. That's how we met. Well, I did your it because the te technical documentation people told me to. Well, yeah, but your boss, this is how Darren and I met. Um, we were working for a company that was rolling out a Lotus Notes application that they were using to track projects. And Darren's boss came and presented. I think it was kind of a lunch and learn. It was like about an hour-long session. And Darren's boss presented on, this is what this tool is, and this is how you use it, and this is what goes in this field, and this is what you're going to get out of using it. And then Darren was there in case anybody asked any hard questions <laughs> for all the technical expertise. So I think if IT wants to use the entitlement and roll out profiles and files, and IT wants that to be perceived as a successful project, then IT needs to build in the budget some time to either themselves or an external person show a couple of users how to use it. If HR has gone and purchased connections because HR wants to use profiles, then HR needs to have somebody responsible for rolling it out. So I think it just depends. Whoever is rolling out the product, whatever team that is, needs to take responsibility for making sure people use it. 
I think you've summed that up pretty well, Lisa. I, th I think the difference for me is that these are tools that are aimed at the business. You know, I think a lot of the tools we've rolled out maybe since the first office and email systems have been kind of pushed out by the IT department because in some ways it's made the IT department's jobs easier. You know, if it's deploying new software, if it's, uh, I don't know, managing expenses or something like that, it's, it's kind of almost been driven by IT. And I think what social is trying to do is to actually get the business to pull something different. It's about getting individuals within the organization, departments within the organization to work better together, to collaborate better, to, to share knowledge more, more easily. And so if the IT department is just saying, here's another tool use it or don't it's up to you I, I think that's going to have really limited success it's got to be about engaging the business and getting them to want these tools because it can make their lives easier and and therefore there's an element of training in that there's an element of saying this is what the tools can do for you but it's also very different training to anything we've done in the past you know it's not Darren stood up saying you know click on this button and this happens fill in this field and and, and it'll get validated in this way it's more about you as internally if you want to share this type of information then these are your options for doing that and it's a different kind of training um but again Michael Sampson sums it up better than either of us can probably do in his books but um but yeah it's it's, it's a diff definite change and I think something that came out of the social connections um, discussion was actually probably mainly from the Cardiff University guys you presented. We'll come on to them in a second. But that they were very much presenting about how the way in which um, both students learn and also people work in their normal daily lives isn't terribly collaborative. It's about an individual sat in front of a laptop doing something rather than about the way in which we can accomplish work more easily. And I think that then, if you think about it in a different way, it leads you on to social software, not as a piece of software, but instead as a is a different way of working. I think we have to stop looking at it as social software and we have to look at it as a way of working. Oh, and we just so happen to use this software because everyone's so hung up about social, this social, that social, 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 social. And, you know, like we've all been collaborating for 15 years using different things. It's just a different way of collaborating. And it just so happens that there's, you know, we're really lucky that Connections is a Swiss army knife of stuff that will let us collaborate better than some of the other things that are out there. And I think while we're still hung up on social software is this magic word, um, until we get past the it's not magic, <laughs> it's, it's, it's people. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you, Sharon. Um, you know, some people have just said, well, social is just the next iteration of, of collaboration. And mm. in some ways it is, but also in some ways it's not, in that the way we collaborate tends to be that we do everything individually and then we share very yeah, specific right. bits of information with other people. I think what we're trying to do here is to turn that ratio around so we share a lot and some things are private. I think, I think yes. that's the switch. Well, that's how I've been working for the last two or three years now. You know, I try to share as much as physically possible and things that really I don't need to share because there's a very fine line between sharing something because you ought to and sharing something because you can. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you wouldn't post. For, for, as an example, this was a brilliant example that Michael Sampson gave me when he came in um, to see me, is that just because you can post your employees' pay details on a website doesn't mean you should. And then he did work, I believe he said he worked for a firm that wanted to do that because they wanted to be completely transparent and share everything. Now, that is just one little tiny step too far. So <laughs> there is a very fine line between um, sharing and, you know, sharing. Oversharing. Yes, but Stuart, Stuart is exactly right. You know, even even now you work, you know, I work with people um, that, that like to share things, but some things they just won't 
they won't share that they should, but they'll share other things that they shouldn't, you know. So I'm sure I'm sure someone will get the magic the magic button to work out exactly who should be doing what and who should be sharing what and then, you know, the world will be made right. <laughs> But I also think it's easier for us to share because we don't have really any super secret information. All the stuff we find, we find usually through searching off from other social tools. Look at my desktop. I've got, I've got Twitter. I've got Skype. I've got Dropbox. I've got everything, right? Yeah. So, so the stuff I want to share is, is actually common knowledge. But what happens when you start to share the stuff like salary information that should be not under certain circumstances, be, be common knowledge. And I think that's the, the, the caveat here is the wholesale push to, to share a lot of stuff, I think, is going to lead at some point to somebody having a really bad day. Well, and I yeah. think IBM actually does this pretty well, and I'm not an expert on it, but they have their guidelines about, you know, that they had well before social came around about as an IBMer, you don't need to be publicly saying bad things about IBM, you're representing the company. And they kind of extended that to social early on and said, you know, you don't have to tweet as part of your job, but if you're going to tweet, it's under the same rules as if you were at a cocktail party. You know, if you're going to talk about IBM, say something nice about it. We should probably have an IBM or address this because they would know it better than I do. But I think they're even their social business guidelines, I think you can find them on the public internet. But that's the thing is if you trust your employees to know what to share over email, then you should trust them to know what to share over an external venue as well. And I think, again, this is part of IBM's pitch around connections is, well, if you don't trust your people, have them start sharing internally first and you can coach them a little bit before they get out on the the World Wide Web. But I, I think you just kind of have to have a sense of what's confidential and what's not. I think absolutely I right. I have a question for you, Stuart. Go As I was so busy um, running around with my zombie flu assisting at the <laughs> Social Connections Conference, I missed Lewis Richardson's presentation. When will it be available so I can watch it on the interweb? <laughs> I was going to ask too, so. Uh, very good question. So we uh, recorded all the sessions at um, at Social Connections. Uh, the, the wonderful guys from Salvation Army, uh, Mark Halloran, Gary Rose and his team uh, videoed the whole thing for us and streamed it too. So hopefully a lot of people followed along on the stream. Um, those videos will be up very, very soon. Basically, I've been away for a week. I haven't had a chance to upload them. But we will get them done this week. We have all those ready to go. So by the end of the week, Sharon, you can watch Lewis Richardson's slides uh, and presentation. We'll also be uploading all the slides to SlideShare. So again, hopefully by the end of this week, that will be done. I think his excuse was earlier that he was Christmas shopping in New York. <laughs> yeah, you working, Darren, working. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lewis Richardson uh, presented a wonderful keynote on where ideas come from. Um, it, it, I, I think a previous version of it is already available on YouTube. You can uh, Google for today, or else you can watch the one from Social Connections. But it was it was really great. Uh, Lewis was is it, tremendous in that he uses very graphical slides, talks very much about sort of concepts and ideas versus sort of bullet points on a slide, uh, and is really engaging. The other thing that that we really appreciated Lewis for and. and uh, girls perhaps you can uh okay this is, is that he was really engaging throughout the show you know some some speakers come in and kind of do this lot and go again lewis was was heavily engaged in almost every session that took place that day and was really great so thank you so much for him to to come and present for us 
He was absolutely amazing, as well as buying me coffee, which, because he felt pity <laughs> on me for coughing my guts up, bless him. Um, he sat in every session. He had something He had something interesting to say in every session. He was asking questions. The only time he came out of the session room was if he had to make a call. And then as soon as he'd finished, he had a quick chat, whoever was in in the in the breakout room and he was straight back in he's one of the one of the most engaged ibmers i think i've ever seen at a conference yeah and i really appreciated that as well he definitely came in with the attitude of yeah i'm the keynote speaker but i may actually learn something from the other people here as well whereas sometimes speakers um especially from large vendors whose names rhyme with ibm sometimes they kind of come in with the attitude of I have all the answers. I know everything. I will bless you with my knowledge and then I'm out of here. And, you know, again, I know that sometimes they're busy and we're lucky to even get them for an hour. But the fact that he was so interested, was so engaged, he was really interested in trying to work with um, some of the universities and help them share what they've learned through their experiences as well. And it just added a lot to the discussion and really I think it just proves what we already knew, that he's a fantastic guy. So I really noticed it and appreciated it as well. And a quick word for the Cardiff University guys who helped us uh, set up and, and host the um, the uh, the day. They were truly wonderful in, in all they did. Um, but I just wanted to mention a couple of guys there, John Scott and Joe Nichols, who presented on, on really how to how students kind of um, see social and how to engage them in the learning process through social tools. Um, and, and they did a terrific, or, or John Scott, um, the, the kind of youngster of that pair, did a terrific kind of 10-minute Prezi presentation um, and you know, t- talked about really how he sees it as a very recent student, now a PhD um, student, and, and talked about how he sees collaboration and social. And, and Sharon, any comments on that? I, I thought it was a wonderful presentation. He was actually really good. The whole audience were completely engaged. He did admit at the when he started, it was his first time speaking, and he was absolutely brilliant. He is a new Brian Cheng in the making, I think. <laughs> um, he, he was confident, even when he fluffed. He was, he just, he just, he just got on with it, and everybody really appreciated the um, the fact that he was he was so enthusiastic and wanting to make a difference. He's volunteered to help um, anyone with help with. Um, trying to work out how students need to be more engaged so he's opened up his i will help other universities i will share my knowledge with you which i think is fantastic so hopefully if we can get this um little um university thing off the ground which lewis has offered to help help with that would be fantastic but and 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 i've got a question so there were some tweets about him when when it was going on about how good a presenter he was and and i went out to his twitter profile i've just gone out like there again and he's a research assistant in paidy Pediodic science? You're not going to know what um, that is, are you? It's, uh, oh, I'm going to mispronounce it probably. Peda, peda, oh, it's the science of how you learn. Pedagogy, is that how you say it? It's good attempt, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, ask Wikipedia. Wikipedia will know. I'll find it and put it in the show notes. But it's the science of how people learn. Okay. And, and and he had a really interesting point right at the beginning of his presentation. He said, you know, how all the all the universities are saying how social they are, how they use all these tools. And he said, and then you get there, and your first experience of a lecture is, you know, a lecturer stood down at the bottom of a huge lecture theatre. Everybody sat around the outside just listening. You can't ask questions. You sat in front of a laptop. Um, you know, probably doing your email or whatever. It's not a collaborative environment actually when you come down to it. And then talk through how his um, department has has used some, you know, more interesting modern tools to actually make it a much more engaging environment so and again anyway we'll, we'll, we'll get those slides and the presentation up on um, up on the social network so make sure people get a link to that 
One other thing that was really good, Stuart, before we go on, is that the end of every session, there was a really good question and answer. So everybody had a chance to engage and there were some really good conversations going on. Like when you go to some lugs and some conferences, as soon as the sessions are finished, rooms cleared out um, on to the next one. But um, we had we had a really good dialogue going on after each session and in between the sessions as well at Coffee Break. I've never seen such a collaborative audience at a user group before. So hopefully that that will continue as as we uh, as we do more of these. It was it was a really good event. So we probably haven't got time to run through it on this podcast, but certainly there's some questions there in terms of where we do the next um, Social Connections event. If anybody's got a particular feel on that, please do um, you know, tweet or whatever and let us know. Uh, and also whether there's any need for a um, Ironman Connections user group in the USA or in mainland Europe. So again, if you've got any particular strong feels on that, um, this week in Lotus Audience, we'd love to hear from you. Belgium seems to be winning right now on my straw poll of going through Twitter in the last couple of days. Yeah, we've had quite a few votes for that, and Netherlands as well. I, I think Belgium has a lot going for it, beer, mussels, that kind of thing. So <laughs> may, maybe we'll head over there. You never know. Are you talking well, they're, about they're people all, that all... work out or seafood? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, is that where Arnold Schwarzenegger's from? I thought he was from Switzerland. Are you from Austria? One of them. Man, thank God for Wikipedia. I'll let you know. It's Austria. It is Austria. <laughs> the other side of the pond, so we need to know. Yeah. Um, and back onto the low sphere theme, um, I understand that slides are due in tomorrow. I guess none of us have got a particular uh, foot in the door on this one, but from, from what I've heard from other people, the slides are in very, very soon. I think a lot of people are working very hard on that. There is a PDF available of the preliminary agenda. We've got a link to it in the show notes. Um, so if you want to have a look through that, please do. Darren, any thoughts on the agenda that's out there so far? Oh, with Lisa on the call? <laughs> <laughs> My first thought, and someone tweeted this. There might have been someone on this call. I'm not sure if I've stepped on you. But my, my first thought was there is a lot of IBMers on the agenda. And I don't know if that's different. I just I don't think I've ever looked at the agenda this early. And I don't usually look at who's presenting. I just look at the title and I decide where I'm going to go. So it might be me being a bit overly spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know, but it just it did seem to me like, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of people whose employer ends in BM. <laughs> I noticed that as well. I thought there was m many more um, either solo IBM speakers or double IBM speakers compared to last year. Obviously, I can't speak for previous years because last year was my first one. But I do know more IBMers that are on this time, though, which will help me choosing what sessions I'm going to go to. And, and I know that Ed has mentioned that um, you know, a model AC working quite well in the future is a customer and an IBM are presenting. So I, I guess maybe that's that's the way in which they're, they're trying to, to drive it. I'm not quite sure. Um, it's certainly from this PDF, there's a lot of IBMs. I think maybe there's some tracks missing from this that perhaps we're not seeing right now. So maybe we just need to hold judgment on that um, for the future. It may be a very similar ratio and we've just not noticed it in the past. But um, that PDF, again, we've linked to from the show notes. So go have a look at that and see what you think. Well, and my understanding is from people that deal with other brands is that that's mm. how, you know, typically an IBM conference is organized by IBM to have IBMers to present to IBM customers and partners. And if you go to any other kind of events, that tends to be how it is. If IBM is putting it on and they're organizing it, it's a bunch of IBMers that speak. So they may just be bringing things more in line with a typical conference, which you know, it's kind of a shame for us because there are some excellent speakers 
and some very knowledgeable folks from the community, some of which are getting to speak this year, some of which are not. But um, I think we may just have been a little spoiled compared to, you know, a typical IBM conference. Again, if you go to if you go to any other conference, it tends to be if a company puts on a conference, like when STS puts on a conference, it's STS people that speak. So I, I think, you know, it's a shame for us, but I think it's part of the overall trend of IBM really taking control of the message and of the brand or brands and um, pushing Again, forward in their own way. It changes the flavor somewhat, doesn't it? And that yep. has always been very much an entertainment conference, and a community conference as much as it is a sales conference. I know at the end of the day, that's why they run it, is to sell more copies of whatever software it is they've got to sell or sell more services. They're talking about ISSL. But, um, but Laysphere hasn't been that way for a good few years, and it'd be a shame if we fell back into the model that some of the other conferences have. And it I would think... be a shame if us being spoiled now ends up with it being spoiled. I think it's very lucky that all the Lotus user groups have been evolving over the next couple of years. I think if you're a partner or a small customer, you know, less than a thousand or maybe even more than that, 5,000 seats, I think your venue, your outlet is going to be the Lotus user groups. And having presented at a Lotus user group, if you want to take that session, throw it into Lotusphere, fingers crossed, maybe it'll line up with what they're looking for. I think that's fine. But I think the people, I think the traditional way of I'm going to come up with a topic, formulate it at, for Lotusphere, do my slides, present it, it'll be brand new. And then I'll go and take it around the lugs. I think people are going to have to really reverse that. If nothing else, the amount of time that they gave people this year, if you didn't already have your presentation done, you have, you, I believe you would have a really hard time getting it done in time so you should have really already had it thought through had the slides done and that gives you just enough time to put them onto ibm's template and tweak anything that needs to be tweaked so just put them on a template takes a week yeah exactly so i think you know for those of us that are asws i think our outlet is going to have to be the lotus user groups and some of the connections user groups and if we get picked for lotusphere great but i don't think they're going to be giving us as many opportunities to to do what we like to do there going forward, which I think kind of makes sense. Again, you know, it's it's consistent with everything else that they're doing in the brand. It's becoming much more about IBM and much less about us, which is probably how I would run it if yeah. I ran IBM. So, point. yeah, sucks for us, but I understand why they're doing it. Okay, and moving on to some um, positive announcements from um, Ed Brill this week. Uh, there were three on his blog, uh, which we'll quickly run through. One was the Symphony Viewers for iOS, uh, which allows you to view Symphony and ODF documents on your devices, which is, I think, a big step forward because I, I was certainly tired of getting sent uh, emails um, with OD, ODF documents and so on, not being able to read those on the device. And I think it's great you can now do that. Obviously, the next step forward will be to able to edit them as well. But at least we're, we're it's got a foot in the door, and we're moving forward with that now. And it's massive for uh, SDS because all of our internal documentation is uh, Open Office. It always has been, even even before Symphony came out. We we were using Open Office, so that with the snaps files now allows me to access the quicker places directly from my iPhone. And then I haven't tried it yet, but I'm hoping that I can download and view in these Symphony iOS readers. 
not sure. I haven't tried that yet either. So, um, yeah, that's maybe something we can test this week and get back to people on. Um, there was also a new release of Lotus Live, which takes some of the latest stuff from Connections and brings that into Lotus Live. Still no blogs and wikis in there, but certainly some bigger, big enhancements. Got a link to the, the post in the show notes. And, down perhaps the, the biggest news of the week was the upgrade pack for Domino 853, which brings in the extension library, of course, amongst other enhancements. The extension library becomes a supported product. Yay! Congratulations to IBM. Kudos to them. Um, and as of over the weekend, they also updated the OpenNTF extension library to have the same feature set. Yes, uh, I saw that. Now, it's still a bit different because technically the upgrade part, I don't have, think, has the uh, relational database stuff in there yet. So the, the, basically, there was features added to upgrade pack that are now being backported to OpenNTF, but there's stuff in OpenNTF that's not in the upgrade pack. So you have to kind of make a decision. Okay. And, and you know, one of the thoughts I had is how many different names do we have for fixed packs now for Lotus products? We've been through fixed packs, CCHs, or IFRs for the same time, and now we've got an upgrade pack. I'm not quite sure how they differentiate between those, but anyway, it's worth putting on if you have Domino 853, get some of those enhancements. And IFs. And IF, yeah. A few of those. Um, and there's, there's also one other news item which came from a listener of This Week in Lotus, which is that Chrome has now finally overtaken IE8 as the most popular individual browser out there. So uh, there's no other version of a browser that has more users than Chrome has, which I think is, is a really big deal, how quickly it's got there, given it's only been out for about a year and a half now for it to be the most popular browser is a big deal. Well, that's just a specific release of IE I agree. And if you add IE6, 7, 8, and 9 together, I'm almost certain you get a, a much higher ratio. But Chrome is, is up to you know 25% now, which is a pretty big deal. And I think probably it's eating Firefox users more probably faster than it is IE. I think a, a lot of corporates are still fixated on IE, but I think a lot of the users do have the ability to choose have probably moved away from Firefox to Chrome. I've moved from Firefox to Chrome, and I absolutely hate Google. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fast. Let's and it's around. snappy. And it doesn't use all my memory. I think I've got every browser on my machine, my PC. I use Safari. I've got IE, I've got Chrome, and I've got two versions of Firefox, I think, because I like to make sure that websites work in the browser. <laughs> and if they don't work in one, I open another browser up because I want things to work properly. Hopefully, soon, um, everything will work in all of them. I think it does put pressure on IBM. Yeah, it, it, yes. I agree. This is just one one particular survey, but if it really is the most popular browser out there, and, and we'll see over the next few months whether that, that is true, then it, it really does make Chrome one of the key browsers to support, whereas at the moment it's maybe third or fourth in their list. I think probably it's got to rise to the top in terms of maybe that and IE have to be the main ones they, they work to. Well, they have said, haven't they, that they're going to try and hopefully by the time Connections 4 is released, whenever that may be, it will be completely compatible with Chrome. It's it's pretty good. 301 is pretty good at the moment. The media library has a bit of a funny thing with thumbnails, but on the whole, Chrome works really quite well with Connections 3. But see, I don't think they can try. I think it has to. It's it's getting yeah. to the point where, you know, IBM have made this decision that we're going to, we're going to be software as a service, everything's going to be serviced over the web, we're going to take the client out of the equation because it's causing us nothing but hassle, but then turn right around and say, well, you can't use the client you want. That's that's not really acceptable. Now, oh, Darren, here you go again. Okay. No, but hold on. <laughs> on, the flip, on the flip side, I do agree with him about you can't have Firefox releasing a new release literally every three or four weeks. Oh, that's ridiculous because so, things that I have working, when I upgrade it, now it doesn't work at all. So what so do I, I do? Roll back? IBM just need to be a bit 
ahead of the curve here and say, this is what we are planning to support. And these are the things we are planning to support instead of us just finding out on the day it's released. Well, now I'll agree with that. But the thing that I think sometimes as early adopters we forget is we are not IBM's typical customer. We're not even IBM's desired customer. If we want to go and put Linux on a laptop and run around using crazy new browsers, that's fine, but they don't want to hear about it until Colgate Palmolive is moving everybody to Chrome. They don't really care. It's not their target market. I would have agreed with you two or three years ago. I think you're absolutely right. They've got a code for the corporates and the corporate expectation, sadly, is still that IE6 and 7 are valid choices (laughs) for browsers. Right, Um, right. But I think that, that it's changed now. Social business has changed things because actually what you're coding for is users to be using those apps wherever they are, whenever they are. They could be in hotel rooms, they could be in airports, they could be on kiosks, they could be um, you know, anywhere. And therefore, actually, the corporate doesn't necessarily have the choice of what browser they use. Mm, see, I would disagree because if I am a corporate employee, I work for Coca-Cola and I'm traveling all around the world, I'm still traveling with my corporate laptop, which is running you know, IE6, because that's the corporate standard. I'm making that up. I don't know that for sure. But you're still accessing from a corporate device. And if it doesn't work on your Android phone, well, BlackBerry is the supported device. But it goes back to your point about Tungle. Use Tungle. No, I can't. I, I'm not. I can't use Tungle because that's not part of our corporate infrastructure or whatever. The same, the same thing is part of social tools is if, if you're trying to take the client out of the mix, then you really have no control of the client attaching to that. But if I am a corporation and I hand out laptops and I tell them what browser they're allowed to use, then I do have control over it. It again goes back to, you know, those of us that are early adopters that we kind of live in our own reality where we use these tools and these things are normal. But if you go to a corporation, they're not, they don't care about any of this stuff. Maybe a couple of guys in IT and that's possibly, know about it. But. Uh, yeah, sorry, Lisa. And that's possibly mm-hmm. true for internet apps, but I don't think that's the future of social business. You know, it is for a very small subset. And maybe we're used to IBM Connections still today being very much an internet solution. But, you know, the whole promise of social is that we can be social with partners and customers and, you know, consumers. And, and therefore, you know, as Sharon mentioned earlier on, that, that there's a session at Connect all about how you make commerce social. Well, if you're an Amazon-type site and want to make your commerce social using IBM tools, you can't determine what browser a user is going to be using. It's, it's, yeah, it's going to be I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. And, but and again, I think that's the exception, not the rule. And again, I don't know WebSphere, so I can't speak for WebSphere. That's a very different use case, and you've got a point there. But when it comes to – this has been one of our arguments with Connections – is, hey, IBM, if you want to compete with Jive, if you want to compete with some of the other solutions, they do this inside-outside firewall thing really, really well, where they have the listening tools already built in. You can listen to what's going on on um, Twitter, on Facebook. You can pull those things in and say, hey, everybody hates our new line this spring. What are we going to do to change it? That is not really the paradigm that Connections was built for. Connections really came out of well, I work at IBM and I need to know who inside of IBM is an expert on this thing that my customer wants to know about. That's very much their paradigm. And while they will say, oh, well, we can compete with this other product if you also buy connections and you also buy portal, they're looking at competing by selling you more stuff, not by necessarily making connections do everything that we in the community kind of think it's supposed to do. So I just think it's a different 
it's a different approach. But I don't, I can't speak to the WebSphere stuff. I guess that's a Sharon question. And and Sharon, I'd, I'd also open it out to students. You know, in, in your previous university and also at Cardiff, I'm, I'm guessing they don't have any, you know, particular controls over what browsers or operating systems their users can be using either. No. Um, as far as when I worked at, at at the university, we had a desktop, we had a desktop remote desktop that that students used to log on to and up until about two years ago you were right it was ia6 and it got to the point where it was like we cannot roll ia6 out to students they'll take one look at that and go we're not using that we can't work like this so the the move um just as i was leaving for this september was to roll out windows 7 remote desktops to all the students which is going to start with ia8 which yep ia8 at least um they were talking about nine they were going to put chrome and firefox on them as well um, so the, the users have a choice of browser. Plus, they they were planning on the bring your own devices, just like Cardify. You can't control what devices your students are going to be bringing in. If you're going to have bring your own devices in, whatever you're delivering is got to work. If it's a bespoke WebSphere app, that's kind of okay because you can write your WebSphere application to run in any browser because WebSphere is quite a flexible piece of software. Please don't kill me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And it's all down to how the UI is designed, and UI is, you know, it's a it's a front end twiddly thing. It's not not really that complicated. The the, the thing that spot in my mind there was flexible like a castle, but Gosh. I won't go into that. So, so but what, what, what's more interesting here though is that this is signifying a corporate move wholesale, eventually to Windows Seven. Yeah. Because you cannot get IE eight on XP, right? No. And XP is not supported anymore, is it? I think if you go, no, I tried to install. Still, still, yeah, it is. I think it was. I think it's December thirty first. Yeah, because if you go to the update, <laughs> if you install a new XP and you go to the update site, um, well, you know, it it doesn't it doesn't work anymore. So, really, um, I yeah. That doesn't matter. Here we anyway, go. That's, that's that's by the by. But anyway, so Windows Seven is going to be the way forward. And if you install Windows Seven, you have to have you have to have IE8 because that's the default. So, and it. Nine's going to get pushed down via critical updates because that's where Microsoft do it. And I think for vendors to say we're not supporting the latest browser until our next major release is, is, is a bit of a put your head in the sand. And I want to give IBM some kudos here because they did originally say uh, that Chrome wasn't coming in iNotes until what, R9 or whatever it's going to be called. That's not the a name, I don't think. Right? It's still secret, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Someone uh, will have to kill you for that now. You know that, okay. don't you? <laughs> the, the, the new notes product that's called Beep. That was Stuart Beep. Now. Um, they rolled that back to 853. So now 853 iNotes is fully supporting Chrome. So I want to absolutely congratulate IBM. Yeah, absolutely. For that. Splendid idea. And, and and that was also in the user suite. Microsoft's now said that they're going to roll down browser updates without asking the user. Um, that, that's new this week. So, uh, yeah, I, I think... Even corporates are going to struggle to keep their browsers at a very specific version. I think they're going to have to live with the fact there's going to be new updates. Now, I think corporates can manage it quite easily through Windows Update Services. I think they're the ones that are going to be able to escape from this. Right. Okay. So yeah, because you can users. you can block applications from being updated if you're using yep. the Windows Update Service. Yep. Okay, makes sense. Right, well, that's an interesting uh, conversation to finish off with. I'm sure we'll return to that in future weeks. Uh, as ever, we will go around the table and ask for a tip from each of our guests. So, Darren, why don't you start us off? I am going to spend $5.99 today on Notes Book from Julian Bus. Um, he has rolled out an iOS application, native iOS application, that, that syncs your notes journal slash notes notebook slash... Wow, try saying that after five beers, notes. <laughs> Um, 
but but natively syncs it down to the device and stores it on the device so you don't need online access and it's not via web browser and it should work now also with custom named journals on the server which was why i didn't initially buy it but 1.1 rolled out today so i will be spending five dollars and 99 cents and if like me you live and die by the journal i would suggest you do the same brilliant and he hasn't paid me for this advert Very good effort that it was. Brilliant. Okay, so five ninety nine on the App Store, um, worth getting a hold of. And of course, there's also one to sync your to-dos as well, which we featured last year. So both great apps. And Sharon, what's your tip? Uh, my tip will be to go and visit the nice, shiny new Lotusphere and Connect communities that have been um, created on the IBM Greenhouse. So if you're going to um, either of the conferences or you're not going to either of the conferences and would like to keep up with what's going on. Um, if you come and join, they're, they're not open quite yet. I believe the um, Lotusphere one may be released at some point today. And the Connect one um, is going to be go live at some point this week. Um, well, my tip is really a plug, and that is listen to GetSocialDoBusiness.com if you have not already. Shameless. Um, yes, shameless plug. Um and I would say there's probably going to be a couple of people that either in the lead up to Lotusphere or when they come home shell-shocked and traumatized after Lotusphere that think, oh, I thought I could ignore this social stuff, but IBM seems pretty serious about it. And they're looking to get caught up. Um, I think it's worth going back to the beginning. I don't think there's anything on there that, you know, from the early ones that wouldn't be true today. So I kind of start off with social media, small businesses, and then we get into social business. I talked to some of the um, solutions that compete with um, connections, some of the vendors for those solutions, and some of the folks that are very well known in the connections community, like obviously Stuart and Sharon and, and Michael Sampson, who we keep talking about. Um, so that would be my tip slash plug is if you have suddenly had the panicked realization that this social thing is not going away and you need to figure out what the heck it is. If you listen to all those podcasts, you'll know 98% of everything that I know about it. Excellent. Thank you, Lisa. I can highly recommend that. So, so go to getsocialdobusiness.com. And my tips, just to finish this off, uh, one is that the Nerd Girl Sparks um, session has its final submissions today. So if you're interested in presenting a short sort of five or six minute uh, presentation at Lotus Fair as part of that, it doesn't have, you don't have to be a nerd girl. You can be a nerd guy as well. Um, and they're looking for all kinds of different submissions. So it's, it's not even you know particularly related to software or to Lotus. It could be anything of interest that they could present in that session. Um, so we'll have a link in the show notes to how you submit for that and also we've mentioned his name at least five or six times on this episode already but I do highly recommend Michael Sampson's new book I've got my copy of it about uh, a couple of days ago probably on Friday I think it arrived Collaboration Roadmap and it really is a superb document in terms of how you should roll out collaboration and social tools so again we'll have a link in the show notes to how you go and buy that excellent so that brings us to the end of our show let's quickly go around the table how do people find you what's your Twitter ID Darren uh, Twitter ID? Yeah. Is Darren Duke all one word for... I'm not sure even who I'm ranting about this week. Who was I ranting about last week? I can't remember. It was probably about the word social and probably. something else. <laughs> and do you have a blog? Uh, blog.darrenduke.net uh, for all of the latest quicker goings on, which seems to be all I post about these days. Oh, no, no, no. There was also the 2011 year in review. Yes, which excellent post. I enjoyed that. Thank you, Darren. And Lisa, how do people find you? On Twitter, I'm at Lisa Duke, although about.me slash Lisa Duke is probably the best information to give out because that will get you everywhere. Twitter, 
I think LinkedIn, Facebook, everything is linked off of that. And if you want to hire us and give us money, either Darren to fix your Domino or your VMware or your one of the 87 other things he knows about, or if you want me to come in and talk to you about social business, I'm happy to do that. Our website for the business for the taking of the money is simplified-tech.com because Darren never mentions that. So I have to, to come and plug the business as well. So you can find us there or on Twitter. Excellent. Thank you, Lisa. And Sharon? Uh, on Twitter, I am at Social Shazza, which is Shazza with two Zs, Zs if you're American. Um, and my blog is uh, socialshazza.com for everything WebSphere, come connections, come Disney related, because I'm one of those Disney freaks. I love the new blog site, Sharon. Great effort on that. I love all the Disney stuff coming in there. Yeah, so I must post more Disney. I've been, in fact, I've posted more Disney in the last six weeks than I have actually anything work-related. So I'm, I must make more of an effort to do something worky, techified. Okay, we look forward to that. So, guys, thank you all so much. Thank you for taking part. I am Stuart McIntyre. You can find me um, at Stuart McIntyre on Twitter or about.me slash Stuart McIntyre if you're interested in the other details. So thanks again for taking part, folks. Uh, I hope you all enjoy listening to this show. If you have any feedback, we would love to hear it. Tweet us at This Week in Lotus or on the blog at thisweekinlotus.com. So until next week, this was This Week in Lotus. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. The link will be in the show notes um, and it's got lots of information about what's going on at the conferences. Oh my God, there's all sorts of noise going on in the background of my house. Is this a vampire coming to your house for dinner? <laughs> Party at Sharon's. Feed the werewolf, will you? It's so lucky I have my own office and I can shut the door and keep that madness out. What's funny is that was the hamster making that noise. (laughs) (laughs) That zombie flu really is zombie flu. I'm surprised you haven't heard it the entire way through the podcast because I've been on mute and all I can hear is screaming and shouting going on in the front room. Shall I do that again? Thanks so let me clarify for the last time my statement about connect <laughs> that if you are saying you're having thought leaders and you don't accept michael samson i think you are kind of missing the point about what a thought leader is despite the fact that his book may say sharepoint more often than not IBM, ICS folks need to look at themselves about how often they mention SharePoint and Exchange, even when giving OGSs to user groups. I'm Give her access or she will cough on you. <laughs> <laughs> I think she did that in Cardiff. Oh.